98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The chief executive says the government will open Penny's Bay to quarantine foreign domestic helpers. Carrie Lam dismisses claims that her administration is cracking down on civil society. And official figures show the impact on the mainland economy from the latest wave of coronavirus infections. The chief executive says foreign domestic helpers will be allowed to undergo quarantine at the Penny's Bay camp towards the end of next month. Speaking to reporters before the weekly executive council meeting, Carrie Lam said that since there are now no local COVID cases, the facility built to quarantine close contacts of patients can now be used to quarantine helpers returning from Indonesia and the Philippines. She said 800 rooms will be available at a daily rate of probably no more than $500. She spoke through an interpreter. It is a cost recovery charge. Preliminary calculation is uh, no more than 500. If it is lower than 500, of course, uh, we will charge a lower uh, level because we only aim to recover cost. There is an abundance of work to be done because we have to come up with a system of booking, a computer booking system. We aim to run the facility ourselves. Mrs Lam also defended the government's stringent quarantine measures, saying they're in line with the demands of business chambers. About reassuring the international business, many companies have chosen Hong Kong because of that very unique positioning of assessing the mainland market. So they have told me repeatedly that they wanted to go into the mainland. So I explained to them that if that is our joint priority, then we should support and embrace the border control measures as far as overseas arrivals are concerned because uh, the more you relax on the overseas arrival, the lesser you will have a chance to go into the mainland. It's a very simple explanation of the situation. Mrs Lam says she has no plans to bar unvaccinated people from some venues contrary to what some medical experts are proposing to boost the vaccination rate. Speaking through an interpreter, she said she'd consider the option if there was another wave of COVID infections. If so unfortunate we are hit by a new wave, now we don't want to close all the venues. As I've mentioned in the new direction to fight the epidemic in April, we want to maintain stability for the social distancing measures. We don't want schools and venues to be closed on and off, especially schools. So in future, when we are hit by a new wave, whether schools that can be fully opened, we will have to assess the requirements by vaccination. She said while 60.6% of the city's eligible population have had at least one COVID jab, only about 30% of those aged between 70 and 79 have done so. Mrs Lam also denied allegations that the authorities had been engaged in a crackdown on civil society. We respect civic society. Hong Kong has large numbers of NGOs and think tanks and research agencies who are shouldering their civic responsibility in trying to improve Hong Kong situation. But where there are associations that exist in order to undermine Hong Kong's security, uh, let alone to advocate independence or collude with external forces, to harm Hong Kong and the country. That is not something that we should condone. She was speaking through an interpreter earlier. Uh, the district court has acquitted three men of rioting in Mong Kok in November 2019, but found a fourth man guilty of the charge, Violet Wong reports. The court held that early on November the 18th, more than 100 protesters on Jordan Road started blocking streets and hurling objects at police, including bricks and petrol bombs. 
When officers charged at protesters around an intersection of Nathan Road and Argyle Street, around 10 people turned down a side road. Soon afterwards, police found Lu Junkun, Wang Sanman, and Chang Shintat on the side road, and spotted Lin Yunfat behind a pillar half an hour later. Prosecutors said the four men had been among the ten people who had turned down the side road. The court ruled that there was insufficient evidence to suggest that Mr. Lu, Mr. Wang, and Mr. Chang had taken part in the riot. But he found 30-year-old Lin guilty, noting that he had been wearing a helmet, a mask, and gloves at the time. It's that Lin has stuck with others who had taken part in the riot, even though he knew that people had been throwing bricks and petrol bombs at the police. Lin was also found guilty of breaching a face mask ban by wearing a mask in an unlawful assembly. In sentencing, the judge said he couldn't find any reason to reduce Lin's sentence. Lin was sent, sentenced to four years in prison for rioting and six months for breaching the face mask ban, with both sentences to be served concurrently. Police say they've arrested an additional seven people in connection with an alleged attack in June in a dispute over money. Officers said the six men and one woman aged between 22 and 29 were arrested in a flat in Shengshui. Yesterday, the 27-year-old male victim was attacked in a unit in Larch Street on June 25th. He was admitted to hospital a few days later with what the police described as suspicious injuries and died earlier this month. Police had earlier arrested six people in connection with the case and charged two with murder and another with wounding. Overseas in the 20-year U.S. military occupation or operation in Afghanistan, described as America's longest war, has come to an end. Washington's ambassador to Kabul and the U.S. military commander there were on the final evacuation flight. The BBC's Peter Bowes reports. General Frank McKenzie, America's top military commander in the region, said the final flights did not include the dozens of Americans who'd been unable to get to the airport. There's a lot of heartbreak associated with this departure. We did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out, but I think if we'd stayed another ten days, we wouldn't have gotten everybody out that we wanted to get out. General McKenzie said the cost of the U.S. mission had been high, with 2,461 U.S. service members killed since 2001. In a statement issued shortly after the U.S. withdrawal was completed, President Biden said the world would hold the Taliban to their commitment to allow safe passage for people trying to leave the country. He said he'll address the American people later today on the decision not to extend the U.S. presence beyond this month. Meanwhile, the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said a new chapter of engagement on Afghanistan had begun, in which America would lead with diplomacy to pursue its interests. If we can work with a new Afghan government in a way that helps secure those interests, and in a way that brings greater stability to the country and region, and protects the gains of the past two decades, we will do it. But we will not do it on the basis of trust or faith. Every step we take will be based not on what a Taliban-led government says, but what it does to live up to its commitments. Mr. Blinken also set out the conditions for the U.S. to provide aid to the country. The United States will continue to support humanitarian aid to the Afghan people, consistent with our sanctions on the Taliban. The aid will not flow, flow through the government, but rather through independent organizations such as UN agencies and NGOs. And we expect that those efforts will not be impeded by the Taliban or anyone else. 
A United Nations-backed study has found that migratory species such as freshwater dolphins are the most vulnerable to plastic pollution. It says the problem is particularly bad in the Asia-Pacific region and called for more robust action to address plastic contamination before it reaches the oceans. The BBC's Warren Bull has more. The study says migratory birds, animals and river life encounter a variety of environments, including industrialised areas, exposing them to more plastic pollution than other species. The researchers highlight two regions, the Ganges in India and Bangladesh, and the Mekong River Basin in Southeast Asia, which together carry an estimated 200,000 tonnes of plastic pollution into the ocean each year. They say Asian elephants have been observed eating plastic in Thailand and Sri Lanka, while freshwater dolphins can become trapped by old fishing nets. The report calls for more effective waste management, recycling and design of products to prevent plastic pollution at source. Business and mainland factory activity has grown at a lower pace in August, while the services sector slumped into contraction, reflecting the impact of coronavirus-related restrictions and high raw material prices. Vicky Wong has more. The National Bureau of Statistics' official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, was 50.1 in August from 50.4 in July. The 50-point mark separates growth from contraction. China had staged an impressive recovery from a slump caused by the pandemic, but growth has recently shown signs of losing steam due to domestic COVID-19 outbreaks, slowing exports, new measures to cool property prices, and a campaign to reduce carbon emissions. A key gauge of activity for the services sector in August slipped to 47.5, denoting contraction for the first time since the height of the pandemic in February last year, and well down from the figure of 53.3 in July. The People's Bank of China has eased some cash requirements for banks and another cut is expected later this year to bolster the economy. The South Korean Prime Minister has said he supports calls for the head of Samsung to return to managing the global tech firm weeks after being released from prison. The Prime Minister Kim Bu kyum told the Financial Times newspaper in London it was not appropriate to curtail Lee Jae-yong's activities when he had already been freed from prison. The Samsung heir was convicted of bribery and embezzlement in January. Currencies and the US dollar is trading at 109.86 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 18 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 72 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,273. That's 265 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $80 billion. Sport now and Hong Kong has suffered setbacks this morning at the Tokyo Paralympics where its hopes rested on the three botcher players who made it into today's quarterfinals. Leung Yokwing is chasing a fourth Paralympic gold following successes in Rio 2016 and Athens 20, 2004. He and Vivian Lau are each competing in the individual boccia BC4. They're each up against Slovakian opposition in the last eight. A short time ago Vivian Lau was down 3-0 while Leung Yokwing was down 5-0. Meanwhile, Paralympic debutant Young Hu Lam was beaten 6-5 in the individual BC2 quarterfinal by Brazil's Maciel Santos, a gold medal medalist from London 2012. In the swimming, Tang Wai Lok, a gold medalist from 2016, missed out in the men's 200-metre medley SM14 and was 14th. Only the top eight go forward. In the women's event, Chan Yui Lam was 9th and Cheng Ho Ying was 10th. Next to football, and with less than 12 hours till the transfer window closes, the French international striker Kylian Mbappé is still a Paris Saint-Germain player. Last week, the French club rejected a bid from Real Madrid, and last night's game was supposed to be Mbappé's last for PSG. French journalist Sarah Menai says the situation is complicated. 
contacts still on between Paris and Madrid. But we today understand PSG have turned down Real Madrid's two first offers as they obviously want to make more money out of Bappe. Uh, they also have to be careful because in just four months, as you know, in January, uh, the player will be absolutely free to discuss and sign an agreement with Madrid. But it looks like, uh, yeah, PSG is ready to turn down 180 millions for now. So Madrid is considering making a new and final bid that would sit around 200 millions. Arsenal have parted ways with their Brazilian winger, Willian. The BBC's Jordan Elgott has more on this and other transactions in the English Premier League. Arsenal have confirmed that they have mutually agreed to terminate the contract of Brazil winger, Willian. He'll be rejoining Corinthians in his home country. Leeds United are closing in on a club record $41 million deal to sign Manchester United winger Daniel James. Everton striker Dominic Calvert-Lewin has withdrawn from the England squad because of a thigh injury. West Ham are in negotiations to sign CSKA Moscow playmaker Nikola Vlasic. Norwich City have signed Turkey defender Ozan Kabak on loan from Schalke. While Manchester City goalkeeper Ellie Roebuck will miss the first leg of their Women's Champions League qualifying tie against Real Madrid with a thigh injury. A new study seen by the BBC suggests that after just one season of rugby, professional players start having adverse effects on their brain. The players were tested several times, as the BBC's Thomas Morgan reports. After 31 games, the 21 sportsmen who played in the United Rugby Championship recorded just six concussions between them. However, all of those who took part in this study showed a decline in blood flow to the brain and their cognitive function. The paper suggests that rather than only concussions, repetitive contacts or sub-concussions sustained in games may have caused the decline. The game's governing body, World Rugby, says it welcomes the University of South Wales' research and player welfare is at the heart of everything it does. It says it's also doubled its investment into concussion research. In tennis, Naomi Osaka has begun defence of her title at the US Open, beating Marie Buzkova of the Czech Republic. Osaka comes in as the third seed. Former world number one Simona Halep made a winning return to Grand Slam tennis with a straight set win over Camilla Giorgi. Halep missed the French Open and Wimbledon with a calf injury. In the men's game, game Stefanos Tsitsipas outlasted the former champion Andy Murray in a thrilling five-setter. Tsitsipas won the second and fourth sets to level the contest twice before taking the decider six games to four. And to end the news, a quick look at the top stories once again. The chief executive says the government will open Penny's Bay to quarantine foreign domestic helpers. Carrie Lam dismisses claims that her administration is cracking down on civil society. And official figures show the impact on the mainland economy from the latest wave of coronavirus infections. And a look at the weather. The thunderstorm warning is in effect and will remain in effect until quarter past four today. It'll be mainly cloudy, occasional showers, a few squally thunderstorms, moderate easterly winds and the outlook. Occasional showers and thunderstorms tomorrow. The showers will ease off in the afternoon. It'll be very hot with sunny periods. Currently 26 degrees Celsius. Humidity is 89%. The news from RTHK. Thanks, Sean. Good afternoon. Didn't expect to be back in this seat quite so soon, but uh, here I am. It's James Ross in on the one, two, three show for Noreen. Through till three o'clock.
Stranger, hope your day's going better than mine. Just got soaked walking across the road uh, from the minibus, uh, clutching a cup of coffee in another bag, realising I don't have enough hands uh, to hold the umbrella open. Oh, well, first world problem. So after two on the 123 show, uh, Tuesday reporter Andrew Dambina joins us for an update on global and local food news. And we're focusing on podcasts about food. And after 2.30, uh, Sadie Kay's back with her skewed take on life in her monthly humour column, Sharp Pains. You tell- 